On this episode, Chicago's Brooklyn-based trumpeter Jamie Branch joined us the morning after her show at Cafe Otto in Dalston, London, where she got all experimental and avant-garde. We talk about the new record that she's recording at Total Refreshment Centre, reflect a little bit on Chicago, London, the event that happened at the end of 2017, and look ahead to 2019 as well. Supreme Standards. Jamie freaking Branch. Good morning. Good morning, Tina Edwards. Hi. <laughs> um, I'm so, 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 so happy that we're like having the chance to, to hang out because you're super busy and are having such a, a mad, crazy cool year with touring and all sorts of stuff. So um, let's take you to Spotify. I would like you to try and guess three artists that your listeners are recommended to listening to after your record. <laughs> so you know that kind of like get, artists well, who like this also like also that also like this yeah. okay I would say Ben Lamar Gay correct boom he's on the list is he yeah I got this right in front of me is that official uh, I wonder who else though me and yeah um, I wonder if it's Makaya or something Makaya's down there yeah. yeah fellow label mate yep fellow label mate who else maybe shouts to International Anthem shout outs to International Anthem hmm I I, I really don't know <laughs> go, go for a stab for who else is on the label um, who else is on the Jeff Parker? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah all yeah. on the list. Boom. Um, Jeff Parker, Rob Mazurik or something. Yes. And do you know what? Often, like, when I play this game with guests, like, it's not always clear cut. Like, there's so many artists who uh, share a label with other people that don't feature on the lists. But it's all kind of just goes to show what a distinctive sort of sound or what a scene that International Anthem have, have kind of built. Um, so I've got one more question for you. Okay. And this is a life swap question. So I really like to play this with each guest that comes onto the show, or my friends, my family. And it's essentially a chance for you to keep your life as it is. So Jamie Branch, trumpeter extraordinaire, doing your thing in Brooklyn. But you can jump into three alternative lifestyles as and when you please. So any period <laughs> of time, you could be someone that existed, you could travel into the future, maybe. So to give you an example, like today, I fancy being a stand-up comedian. So I can just dive in and do a show and then come back to my regular life. Yeah. And like, you know, figure out how to be funny and stuff. Um, I'd want to be like the very first YouTuber out there and like make a career of traveling the world and just like talking about it. And then an author, like writing novels on a narrow boat and just like shutting off the whole world, and, like making log fires safely on a boat. So that would be my three. Like if you had to like, choose three today, what would you go in for? You know, actually, stand-up comedian might be on my list. Really? Too. I can imagine that. Yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I mean, the thrill of that, like I can just, um, like the adrenaline that you get from playing music, like with people, and you're, you know, like I can only imagine that's amplified when you're the only one up there, you know, mm. and you only have your own bones to do, to do that. I mean, like, I guess it's kind of cheating if I was, like, stand-up comedian, actor, and uh, astronaut. Sweet, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I often, like, always think, oh, like, if, if I was going to have a fourth today, like, I want to be an astronomer at NASA. Yeah. So, like, we could kind of work together and... I could, we could, like, yeah, we could, in our hypothetical lives, we yeah. could totally, Maybe not actor. Maybe I don't want to act, actually. Acting is a little silly sometimes. Um, <laughs> in what way? <laughs> or, like, what, what well, actor would you acting, like to Because they're acting, you know? Like, they're acting. They're making that up. That's not real. <laughs> I guess. Um, I, in some ways, I guess it's kind of like a way to, like, explain 
explore parts of yourself that you don't often give yourself permission to explore. That's true. I mean, that's what music does too, I think. Yeah. Um, And the nice thing about music is that it's abstract. Uh So you can like explore some dark shit or some wild stuff and like people, they won't know necessarily, but you can still kind of have that catharsis, Mm. if that makes sense, because there's like an internal dialogue, you know? Um, So like applying that to your music then, like that there is this kind of, from what I can hear, this brash angular sort of feel to it, this um, dairy, like I, I almost like feel feel architecture when I hear it. I don't know if this is a weird thing to say. There's like the once a quote, which was um, in a book I was reading recently, um, how to write about music. Uh, it was writing about music is like dancing about architecture. Um, but like hearing your music, I can feel like corners and I can feel textures and I can feel like I can hear something that I f- that it, it's, it's as if I can like touch it and I just wondered like and, and, and again like last night with the Cafe Otto show that I saw you play it was quite um, textured and you took it to a slightly more experimental avant-garde place to what I've seen you do before. And the way that you were playing your trumpet, like you were playing you were playing every corner and like side of that possible. Like tell me about how you how you approach your compositions as a start off. Um also, side note, I think I'd want to be like an old school philosopher, like 1600s, 1200s. Oh, like, sick. Like back in the day. The okay. Day. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, but that is a very good Like sit under a tree option. and be like Kant or something. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Sick. But when I write music, I write mostly, uh, they, you know, architecture is not, uh, that's not a, that's not that off. I mean, like there are st- structures inherent. Um, I want it to be really loose. Like I don't want to lose the flavor of the musicians. And the improvisation is really, really key. It's important. I mean, that's the living, breathing stuff. Uh If you get too bogged down in the actual written composition, I think you lose a lot of the soul. You know, I think you lose a lot of the the potential for failure. And once you lose the potential for, like, once you're, like, nailing things night after night, you lose the magic that can happen on the other side. You know, you need to have, like, you can only go as high as you can go low, I think. You know, and so I try to make music that's like really open ended, but that can like get to some like specific like crystallized moments, right? So I want this specific thing to happen. So how do we get there? You know, mm-hmm. so like things are written like um, waltzer or something like that. That's a bass line and a harmony line and a melody. You know, uh-huh. it's pretty specific and. It only comes off if we have these crazy, like, ecstatic highs, loud before it, um, so that when we get into this, like, more subdued ballad, you can feel the, like, juxtaposition. And I think that helps people kind of understand the music in a way who might not even know about jazz or might not listen to much instrumental music, you know? Um, with words, you're able to just like create the drama with your words, mm. you know? Uh, when it's instrumental, it gets, you know, I, I keep saying this, but it gets more abstracted because it's not so literal, you know? Uh-huh. So I like write, I write specific, I write for specific moments to happen. 
But if they don't happen, that's not the end of the world. It's about the music. Like I always tell the guys, like last night before the show, the second set was all new music. And we're going over the roadmap before. And, you know, they're like, Lester is asking a specific question. So it's like four times the first time, two times the second time. And I'm like, yeah, but like, if it doesn't go there, if it gets off, like, forget about it. Yeah, forget just play in the, the moment. page, mm -hmm. play the music, you know. Cool. Yes. And I guess like what you're saying as well, it, it kind of reminds me of of the feeling I had last night. I felt this tension build and then release and it's tension and it's release. And like there's almost like very, very small, subtle moments of, of humor after they're really, really tense parts. So I, I can kind of see this like ebb and flow of of what you're like trying to create, which is pretty cool. Um, so about a year ago, like you were in town uh, in London, staying at Total Refreshment Center in Dalston, which has had a transitional kind of few weeks and few months now that we're you know not seeing live shows there, unfortunately, anymore. But I guess it was a really good time to get to know you a little bit better during the Chicago, London sort of week last year. And I just want to kind of ask you about like a year on, like, how how you found that time to be like with those two shows at TRC and now you know you're back here recording your second record at TRC so tell me a little bit about like the relationship that you sort of formed with that place yeah I mean it, uh, it was amazing to me when we got here how similar like the things that we've been trying to do in Chicago um, to a lesser extent New York and the stuff that you guys were doing in London like it was just like a tight-knit group of people that are trying to like bring this music to more people, you mm -hmm. know, um, you know, get the jazz out of the jazz club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know it's a mean? sticky floor venue, right? <laughs> that's where it needs to be. Yeah. That's the living. That's the living truth, you know. Um, and so, you know, it really struck me last year how young your crowd was. That like that's the that's the shit. I mean, like, I'm sick of seeing old white guys everywhere, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, we've had <laughs> enough chin stroking, guys. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the time, I mean, like, yeah, there's a time for reflection. And I like quiet music. I love Morton Feldman, stuff like that. But, like, I want to, you know, I want to make this music that is is reflecting the times that we're living in. Mm. And, like, I want to see kids there, you know? That's it, yeah. And, like, yeah, very much, like, reflecting what's happening now. And... Um, I guess to rewind a little bit, like when you recorded Fly or Die, I was thinking this morning, like it must have been around the time of the presidential campaign. It, it was. Like. And I was sure that Hillary was going to be our next president. Yeah. Yeah. Like, did, did you do you think that there's any tension of the times like reflected in your record or is that just kind of in this uh, next record? Yeah. In the next record. Yeah. When I saw you in Paris a couple of weeks ago at New Morning, which is a wicked show, like you, you kind of started to use your voice a little bit more. And I remember it was like the, the night before the midterm elections, and you felt kind of compelled to like speak your mind a little bit within the songs. Like, is that kind of a reflection of of what you're recording at TRC right now? Yeah. Yes. Nice. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's kind of hard to talk about it in detail at the moment because, like, you are literally in the creative I'm crux of it right now. Like, right now, yeah. You've, like, and left we'll the see, studio to come here. And we'll see how we tumble out of it, you know. Yeah. It's like a lot, like, fly or die, you know. Like, that, that was, like, a record that, for whatever reason, needed to, needed to happen. Mm -hmm. Like, the process felt, like, very streamlined. Um, we did it in, like, one day, really, like, four hours in my sister's apartment, wow. you know. And then the live show. Um and in a similar way, this record uh, we tried to record in April, 
and we like couldn't make it happen for whatever reason. And it's like now we're at the end of tour, we're in London, we're back at TRC, you know. It feels like it. It feels again like okay, we need to make we need to make a record, um, but it's going to be a different record, you know. And the way I don't even know. It's like it's like I'm standing on the high dive right now, uh-huh. and like the touring and the pre- preparation is like climbing up there, and now we're about to jump off. Right. And it's like let's see where we find each other on the other side, you know. Um. Wicked. And like, <laughs> Jimmy, I'm so ADD today because I'm like back and forth. So I'm like all sorts of questions. No, but I, can, like, I can flow with you on that. <laughs> we got our ADD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is such an ADD chat. This is, this is a good thing. Um, but like, it kind of reminds me of, of wanting to ask you more about the way you were playing the trumpet last night where you were sort of like banging the sides and like really thrusting into the microphone with it to create these really dark and nightmarish sounds. Like yeah. when you... I, I, you know, it's a progression. It's not like you pick up the trumpet like one day, like I'm gonna do this with it today. But like, tell me a little bit about how you made a journey through like progressing from using the, what's the things that you press valves. down? The valves, the valves. Um, <laughs> from like using the valves, you use it as a, as a traditional instrument and then working your way to like using it percussively and all these, you know, with electronics. Yeah. Like what, how did you kind of get to where you are now with that expression? That's cool, that's a cool question. Um, I got turned on when I was like maybe 19 or 20 to this German trumpet player named Axel Derner. Mm. He had this record, it's out of print, label is a brute a brute secret number three <laughs> sweet uh, and it's just called trumpet and it was it's like two tracks 25 minutes in total of circular breathing whoa really circular breathing with like multiphonics and contact mics like all over the trumpet wow so hearing like you know hearing that sort of stuff like blew my mind open as far as the possibility and I can hear that in terms of like the video that accompanied fly or die when it's just like you want to peer or something the camera rolls towards you and it's like this really like that the sound you just made like right. I can hear how that's like fed into your own creativity a little bit absolutely and that was kind of like where I jumped off with my sound exploration stuff so I was living in Boston at the time going to school uh-huh. and there's a trumpet player there named Greg Kelly who was doing a lot of this like you call it like lowercase improvisation, like very minimalist, very quiet. But he would do these things with um, metal plate, like metal pieces of sheeting, mm. like aluminum sheeting for your roof, um, and just like put it up against the bell, and you'd get this rattle, you huh. know. And so I started, you know, after I saw that, I was like, I got to go get some metal, you know. And then for years, that was one of my things. The only two mutes I really used were a plunger and this piece of metal. Wow. And it, you know. I'm one of those sorts of people that uses what I have, <laughs> pretty resourceful, and eventually I guess I lost all my good metal. I haven't really found it again. But now I'm making sounds other ways. Yeah. You know, like I'm still getting that sort of industrial stuff, like like putting the trumpet up against the mic and like and tapping the side and stuff like that and, and hearing what that sounds like through like huge reverb, you know, that harkens more to like my electronic music side, you know? Nice. Um it was like 2002 when I bought my Juno 106, and I've been playing that thing since. And is know? that the name of your trumpet? Juno 106 is actually a uh, synthesizer. Ah, right. From like 1984, maybe. It's a Roland. Um, it's the synth- I still play an Antelope today, the exact same one. Wicked. You know? Wow. Um, and with Antelope, sorry, go no, ahead. No, just like that sort of sound exploration, mm. you know, like electroacoustic-y type 
Yeah, yeah. And with Antelope, I guess that's like a, another side of your creativity as well. Like, tell us a little bit about that project, this duo thing. Yeah, yeah. Antelope is a duo with myself and uh, Brooklyn-based drummer Jason Nazary. Um, we both play our instruments, trumpet and drums, and then we both play synths. So he uses like contact mics on his kick drum, his snare, um, and feeds it through like a series of like pedals and synths. And he also has some like modular patching capability. And then I play keyboards, basically. Wicked. <laughs> play the Juno 106 and this little guy, and I use a loop pedal. Yeah. So there's like four or five instruments in a way, or pieces of equipment that you're playing between the two of you. Like, is that right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like drums and like everything drums, you listen to. trumpet, down. and then a bunch of synths. <laughs> and I think like a comment that I hear from so many of my mates when I see you play live is, oh my gosh, like when, when I see you do Fly or Die, I haven't been lucky enough to see you do Antelope yet, but every time pretty much you've done Fly or Die, someone next to me has gone, whoa, I can't believe that's just four people that made all of that sound. Like, is it something that you're quite attracted to like making things sound bigger and like fuller yeah I mean like I think uh I think you have to have both sides like how quiet can we be how loud can we be you know how sparse can we be how dense can we be Mm. and and especially with antelope because there's a lot of looping and stuff like that it can get huge you know it's like at a certain point the electronics take over (laughs) and become a player just like you know, just like the people in the right. band, because you know the capabilities, especially when you have things like feedback and looping. You know, like it's literally generating on itself. You know, um, and so I don't know if like I want to make things sound bigger than them, but I do want to try to reach the potential of what a band can do. You know, Sweet. like turn it up. <laughs> Do you ever suffer from IPM, irritating podcast moments? The distressing irritability when a podcast suggests something really cool for you to read or listen to or book tickets for, and you're too busy enjoying the show to do anything about it. Or maybe a friend has shared a podcast with you because there's just 30 seconds that you really must listen to. Entail has a cure. Entel is the interactive podcast platform rich in ideas, ambition and content. So you can click on whatever comes up in conversation in real time, whether that's gig tickets, an album stream or an article from Supreme Standards. You can share your favourite chapters with your friends too. Download the app with Android coming later this year and check out entail.co. Supreme Standards have just announced their gig for February. On February 14th, we have the amazing Ego LMA and Bryony Jarman Pinto in a collaboration with True Thought. So you can get your tickets now. It's happening at Ghost Notes. And we've got a very special guest DJ in Robert Lewis. Come on down, we'll see you there. And you moved from like Chicago to Brooklyn a few years back. Like, yep. did you find that that kind of helped you? creatively like go down the lanes that you wanted to go down like what what's going around you in in Brooklyn right now what's happening man I just quit my day job in July oh that's a big thing congrats thank you that's wicked it is I've been you know I've I have always worked day jobs to support my music because there's I just can't you know I can't stop playing and I'm not really good at anything else like I can't (laughs) uh but uh yeah, since then, I've been rehearsing. I have this rehearsal studio in Sunset Park. Um, and just trying to trying to 
take those hours where I was working like nine hours on my feet, like serving people coffee or whatever, mm -hmm. taking that time and putting it back into the music because like now's my chance. Right now, this is it, you know? And so I'm like just trying to, trying to get as much in and, and there's incredible people around. I mean like New York City, you have uh, so many elders there. You also have new young kids coming like every day, you know? Yeah. So there's a real vibrancy there. and. I, between Chicago and New York, I went to Baltimore, uh -huh. which is also a great city. Um, but when I moved to New York, the energy and the pace of the city was just like triple Baltimore, maybe more. And I felt like I kind of reacted in kind in a way. Like, I, I don't know about you, but like I kind of like mix in with my surroundings, you know? And I felt like when I went to New York, I stepped it up. Yeah, so it's like if the city's so if the city's like giving you like ten on the scale, like you give it ten, like ten or eleven back. Yeah, like, otherwise you'll get beat down, yeah. especially in New York. It's yeah. like if you can't come up to that energy level, then you got to move. Absolutely, and like not to take away the poignancy of what you just said, but man, if like if I went to a, to a coffee shop and like you were serving me coffee, I'd be like, holy crap! Like I need to get my record and ask Jamie to like sign my record <laughs> right here. Like, what is this? Um, and it's like a, a really good reminder that so many artists like they can have a big profile and they can be touring the world but the reality is like those tours are like so many weeks a year and then you do need to like find those other ways of like holding yourself up so just like yeah congratulations on on moving on to that next part <laughs> of your career that's really exciting um so with baltimore like where is baltimore okay think. baltimore is technically in the south Okay. It's below the Mason-Dixon line. Right. It's like 45 minutes north of D.C., unless it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and then it's like three hours north of D.C. Oh, when you said south, I thought you meant like south in the United States. So it like is. Well, technically. So the south, really? the south in the States is anything under the Mason-Dixon line. That's where it was the Union and the Confederacy. Right. I've never heard of the Mason-Dixon line. Okay. That's like, that's the, yeah, it go it cuts all the way through, and it's not even, you know. Okay. You know, it follows state lines and stuff, for the most part. Do you see this on a globe? No. Like, oh, you don't. You could, But you can look at a map with an on it. Yeah, But it I would have like to be added, that. but the globe generally would not have it. Yeah, I can picture it on a map now. I know exactly what you mean. Okay. So it's on the East Coast. It's on the water. Um, the Chesapeake Bay feeds in from... Um, the Atlantic. Uh -huh. um, so it's like New York, southern New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, okay. and Baltimore's in Maryland. So I can, yeah, I can understand maybe a little bit more about that, that change of pace like, now. Then it's like D.C., Virginia. Right. You know. I hear you. Cool. North okay. Carolina, South Carolina. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. I got you. This is, what, a, what a great lesson. Thank you so much. I'm rubbish at geography. <laughs> um, and then at the bottom is Florida, but we're trying to cut that off. So. <laughs> That's the unfortunate appendage of America. Oh, damn. What are you going to do without... Oh, you got Disney in L.A. All I right. know. I mean, Disney was a, a uh, anti-Semite, you know? <gasps> we could do without him. Hey, jeez. <laughs> yeah, okay. I but, hear that. Yeah. Fair. Man, <laughs> did you see that video recently? It was like a viral of like this this woman who turned up to Disneyland dressed perfectly as Snow White and she was like at the entrance trying to get in and every, all the kids thought she was the real Snow White and was trying to get pictures with her security were taking her away it's hilarious oh. <laughs> I it's loved a, it it's funny and also like 
deeply sad in a way. I yeah, I yeah, I, I hear you, but I quite I think maybe in an alternate life I'd like to like step into you would like to be her one okay. day just for a moment just to like try and remain that stoic and straight faced about what she's doing it would be hilarious. Um yeah, I'm gonna have to add that into my Yeah, yeah add that in. Hey, so we'll have, we'll have to recap at the end after we have all you know the whole Oh completely hour to think. so many lives, my god. Um so I wanted to ask you like you're putting out a lot all the time in terms of not um not recording so to speak but you're you're putting out a lot of energy and um uh just yourself into performing into touring and I think that takes a lot of consumption as well and this is something I like to talk about with artists a lot because you're kind of letting yourself like bleed out and pushing yourself as much as you can on stage and that's exhausting and I feel like there has to be this like yin and yang of like okay I'm pushing all this out I need to like consume maybe sometimes I need to like take in something like I just wondered maybe what you read like any documentaries you watch or anything that you kind of take in that that then gives you the the energy and momentum to like push out again yeah yeah. I mean I'm definitely going to go back to the Tate Modern realm here and any other like recommendations you have because I've been there before I didn't see the whole thing obviously because you can't I've actually never been to the regular Tate I love museums I read but I'm a very slow reader Mm -hmm. I'm not dyslexic or anything but I find myself being a slow reader Uh, when I was a kid I I was a voracious reader I didn't realize because when you're a kid you don't know that you're like slow or whatever but talking to my friend (laughs) you you don't know you're stupid until you're older but um no just kidding uh (laughs) but actually right now I'm reading this book um called uh, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry um, oh, wow. by Neil cool. deGrasse Tyson. Okay. Who's like, you know, talk about an alternate, like if I could be in an alternate universe, it'd be anybody. I mean, he's, he, the humor that he can bring to like astrophysics. <laughs> um, have you have you listened to him talk? No. Oh, man. No, I'm just soaking everything into saying. Oh, I yeah, he has person. a show called Cosmos. He, um, he took over, uh, he, they rebooted the show Cosmos. Uh-huh. And, I mean, it's just, like, the love that he has for science and learning and just inquiry, you know, like, this this idea that there's so much out there and we can, we can learn it. I mean, we literally have all the information in the world now in our pockets. But he's just, like, got this love of learning that's infectious. And so I'm reading his book right now. Wicked. Um, I really like that philosopher, Zizek. Zizek. That's um, another name I don't know. And uh, I was reading something by him, but I forgot it at home. But also, it's a little dense for the road. Dope. And I, I know you said like you're a slow reader, but it sounds like you, you do like consume a lot of words. And and I definitely count myself as a slow reader as well. What I found really helpful is, like sometimes I have a book on the go, and I'm like, ah, oh, I just don't feel like reading that right now. Like it's a bit too dense, or I don't right. feel like fiction. So I tend to have like three books on the go, like a fiction, a nonfiction, and then like a magazine or a poetry book, and then I just like pick up what I want and that way like I read so much more like, yeah, I don't know yeah. if you like have a similar I sort tend of thing. to do that too yeah like I, I like um I don't I'm not like a graphic novel like um anime type person but like I do like um there's this uh publisher called Drawn and Quarterly um and I think I think this guy's name is Adrian Tomin he's written these incredible like they're kind of dark they're graphic they're graphic novels short stories and they're just like yeah that's like my go-to, like when I just want to like chill and read. You yeah, know? cool. Yeah, You've given yeah. me so many, <laughs> and like everyone listening, so many good recs. This is cool. Um, so, uh, 2019 hopefully is the year of the release for Fly or Die Two. 
That's true. Yeah, sweet. We're okay. recording now, so hopefully it doesn't take more than a year. <laughs> That's such a, an exciting thing. Um, and to know that you're recording at TRC as well is is pretty dope. Because Flower Diary was recorded where? In New York, did you say? Yeah, my little sister's apartment. Yeah, what beautiful thing. So for <laughs> TRC, like... I hope it feels like a bit of a second or third or fourth home for you, at least. No, I, I mean, like, it was a no-brainer for me. You know, it was like, we're going to be in London. We're finishing the tour. It's a hard band to get together. It's, Jason lives in Alaska. You know, it's like, we need Whoa. we need to record now. Yeah. And uh, TRC was the obvious choice. I didn't even think about it anywhere else. Beautiful. Actually. <laughs> Man, I yeah. can't wait to hear it. So um, just, like, good luck for the rest of, of recording. <laughs> and thank you so much for taking a couple hours out to, to do this with us yeah, today when you're right in the middle of it. Cool. Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> thank you, Tina. Big ups to you for listening. If you've enjoyed the show and you've gotten this far, then please leave us a little comment, rate the show, subscribe, and share it with your friends as well. We'll catch you in the next episode. Supreme Standards.